Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. How are you guys tonight? Good. How many had really busy weeks like I did? Really, really busy. Like, you weren't expecting busy, but it just was busy. Uh, That was my week this week. There's a lot going on around me in my house. Like, my upstairs is all torn apart. All my upstairs is in my downstairs, and I'm stepping over it, and it's it's just a mess right now. And then on top of that, it was like homework central at my house this week. So uh, lots and lots of homework happening and lots and lots of kids asking for help, which is cool. I don't mind helping, but (laughs) I was a little worried when someone started saying, this number's going to the party and this number's supposed to bring the balloons. And I'm like, what? What is going on? I don't know anything about this. Like, I think it's like that common core math stuff. Like, I was lost. And then, of course, I didn't do it right. So they ask for help and then they're like, mom, you're not doing it like the teacher. I was like, well... Why'd you ask for help then? Because I don't know how to help you. But I'm finding as my kids get older, they still ask for advice, but they treat it a little differently now. So like you guys have probably, some of you are probably in this same stage where they take my advice, but it's almost like in a filing system. So they file it away. And then once a situation comes up, they can pull it out and say, okay, mom said this, friend said this, what should I do? And then it's just, uh, it's like a coin flip, what they actually do, right? So my kids are getting to that point, and I found that what they do is based on their maturity at the time, their spiritual maturity, their emotional health. So all of this is based on, really, the condition of their heart, right? So what, where their heart is aligned is what decision they're going to make, no matter what mom says and what experience mom has and how mature mom is, too. They don't think about that stuff sometimes. So I'm finding that my kids are in the place where the condition of their heart determines the choices they choose to make and the advice they choose to take. So all of that on top of homework, it's a lot. So this week, we're jumping into another king in our Kings and Kingdoms series. And this king's name is Rehoboam. Who's heard of Rehoboam? Oh, good. Okay, cool. So I am saying it correctly? Just asking. It's a little late now because I already memorized it this way, so I can't do anything about it. So sorry about that. Rehoboam is how we're going to say it, okay? Rehoboam, um, I think he had a little bit of trouble when it came to advice and choosing which advice to take. And we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. So let me set it up a little bit. We're going to find ourselves in 1 Kings 12. um, And... Rehoboam is about to become king because Solomon has died, okay? So they gather together, all of Israel's gathered together to um, uh, inaugurate him maybe, like put him in place to be king. But before they do, they want to ask him some questions because Solomon had been pretty harsh. He was all about getting this temple built, so he was um, really high into slave labor and um, high taxes and all of this stuff, and the Israelites were tired of it. So they wanted to check with Rehoboam and say, hey, what kind of king are you going to be? We want to know. 
And so he says, hey, give me three days to think about it. Come back, and I'll give you my answer. So this is what he does. So they leave, and in verse 6 we see, it says, Then King Rehoboam took counsel with the old men who stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, How do you advise me to answer this people? And they said to him, If you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. Verse 8, this is what he decided to do. He abandoned the counsel of the old men, gave him, the old men gave him, and took counsel with the young men who had grown up with him and stood before him. And he said to them, What do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, Lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Thus shall you speak to this people who have said, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Don't you just love how everybody repeats everything in Scripture? Like, the story's been repeated three times now. I just think it's cool. Anyway, so they want the point known that the yoke was heavy. We want you to lighten it. And so he said to them, What do you advise? And the young men who had grown up with him said to him, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it up for us. Thus you shall say to them, sorry, my little finger is thicker than your father, than my father's thighs. So all he's saying is, I have more power than, you have more power than your father did. That's all that means. I don't know why they had to say it that way, but that's all that means. And now, whereas my father laid on a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, and I will discipline you with scorpions. So what did he do? He rejected, right? He rejected the counsel of the old men, and he basically said, I don't really care what you have to say. I want the power, and the way I'm going to get power is through fear tactics. So higher taxes, anything that you asked for, I'm doing the opposite because I'm a better, stronger ruler than Solomon, my father. So this is what happens. Israel's made up of 12 tribes, right? Ten of them say, forget you. We're not doing it. So they take 10 tribes to the north with a guy named Jeroboam, and they create a nation called Israel. And then two tribes, um, Benjamin and Judah, stay with Rehoboam in the south in Jerusalem, and they're called Judah. So Rehoboam's decision to not take the wise counsel and try to take all the power divided this kingdom. So power he was seeking, and he ended up with two tribes to rule. So we have a divided kingdom now. One important thing to note, though, is God kept his promise to David. So he allowed the kingdoms to be divided because Israel had um, given up on him, forsaken him. But he did not give up his promise to David, which was, what was his promise to David? That a Messiah would come through David's line, through Judah. And that is why the tribe of Judah, or the, nation, the, the divided kingdom of Judah, was still there. Because God promised David that would happen. He promised the Israel people that would happen, and he kept his promise. So at the end of Rehoboam's rule, he's, you would think after he made this choice to um, ignore the council and the kingdoms divided, you would think he would think things through, right? No. They worshipped idols the whole entire reign. He built high places, all of this. This is what he did. He did not um, recondition his heart to God's. And this is what they say of him in 1 Kings 14, 22, and his people Judah. And Judah did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And they provoked him to jealousy with their sins that they committed. 
more than all that their fathers had done. So in the end, this is where he's at. So I'm reading this story. Sometimes it's hard to find ourselves in these stories, right? So I was asking God, where am I in this story? And I started with, obviously, the question, why? Why on earth would he reject this wise counsel? I mean, when I read the story, it's obvious to me that God put that wise counsel there to help guide him. And in that moment, he chose to ignore it. So why, why would he do that? That doesn't make any sense. And I think, really, it comes back to the condition of his heart. His heart was already conditioned in that moment to push God away. And he made the choice because his heart was conditioned to make that choice. Who's heard of Blaise Pascal? He's that French inventor, mathematician, philosopher. He did a little bit of everything, right? Well, he says, the heart has its reasons of which reason knows nothing. And that saying has morphed into, over time, the heart wants what the heart wants. You guys have heard that, right? And it sounds cheesy, but that phrase is what God spoke to me when I was reading this over and over again. My heart wants what my heart wants. So what am I doing to make sure my heart wants what God wants? Because it's true. We've all ended up in a situation where at the end we're like, wow, I really threw logic out the window, right? Like, how did I end up here? It's because my heart was conditioned to want something, and it went after it. Yeah? Our hearts want what our hearts want. We are responsible. The heart is a muscle, right? I run. I hate to run. But I run because it exercises my heart. So we physically have to exercise our heart, but we spiritually have to exercise our heart too. Our hearts want what they want, and we are responsible to make sure they are conditioned to want what God wants. You tracking with me? Yeah. And it seems simple, but guys, it's a big deal. If you search through scriptures, over and over again, the word heart and taking care of your heart is mentioned. In Matthew, I think it's, in Matthew 12, I think it says, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs talks about everything um, comes from your heart, right? So guard it, because everything comes from your heart. So when we want to know what our, the condition of our heart is, we check our action, and we know. Yeah? So Rehoboam had a heart condition spiritually. And his heart was already conditioned to unalign with God. And because of that, he chose to reject the wise counsel. And he went with what his heart wanted in the moment. And it divided a nation. And once the nation was divided, he just kept going. My heart wants what my heart wants. So how do I condition my heart to want what God wants? How do I align my heart to, yeah, a better way to say that might be, how do I align my heart to line up with God's heart? There's many ways to do this, right? We have our pathways here at Awaken. They help us align our hearts with God. But I was um, convicted of a practice in my own life that I think really helps with aligning our hearts, aligning my hearts, that I've chosen to ignore at times. 
And I think maybe all of us choose this at times only because it seems maybe abstract or hard to do, or we don't know how to do it, or maybe even impossible to do, so we just ignore it. And that's listening. I mean, we're a people that talk, right? We always got something to say. We always have something to share. We talk. We're a people that move a lot. Listening requires being still. We don't have time for that, do we? So listening requires being quiet, shutting our mouths, being still, and being patient. And we've talked a lot about how that's just not really a virtue that many humans have anymore, right? We don't want to be patient. We don't want to be still. We don't want to be quiet. But that's how we listen. And listening helps us condition our heart because then we hear from God what he has to say from, to us. We hear from the Holy Spirit what he's speaking and how he's directing in our lives. So we have to create space to listen in our lives, right? How do we create space to listen? What does it even mean? I've told my kids over and over again this. They know the theme song to every TV show they watch. But do they know their math facts? They do not know their math facts. Why? Because they've created space for the songs, but they have not created space for the math facts. And that's what it comes down to. It seems simple. It seems really simple. But if it were really simple, I wouldn't be in a mess half the time because I've made a poor choice, right? So we have to create space to listen. And then in that space, we have to posture ourselves to listen. What do I mean by posture ourselves to listen? I mean, literally, we might have to sit in a way that says I'm open to hear what you have to say. Right? It might, it might mean mentally I have to find a way to shut my thoughts off. So posture yourself in the space. Um, I think another way that we can posture ourselves is to seek wise counsel in our lives. Like, we kind of glaze... Uh, glanced over that, like he just, Rehoboam just kind of ignored the wise counsel, but don't we do that? We ignore it by not having it to begin with, right? We, we want people in our lives that tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. So we push that wise counsel aside and say, I don't need that because I just want to be, my heart wants what my heart wants, and I want it to want what's easy. So we have to create space to listen, and then we have to posture ourselves in that space to listen, and then we just actually have to listen, right? So we can be in a space and create a space to listen without actually being able to receive in that space, and that's where posture comes in. We have to make sure we're posturing ourselves in that space to listen. And then we need to seek counsel, wise, godly counsel, because many people will tell you things. But you're, we, that's where, the, that's where the wise, godly part comes in. You can hear things, but then you have to filter it through scripture, filter it through prayer, and ask God, is this of you? So, if the conditions of our heart is directly affected by the space we create in our lives to listen, and how we posture ourselves that dis, in that space determines how well we listen, then it makes sense to me that we should that we should pay attention to who we allow to speak into our lives. 
But it's not just who we allow to speak into our lives. Sometimes it's what we allow to speak into our lives, right? So the condition of our hearts is what's at play here. And what our hearts want, they want. How we condition our hearts determines what it wants. You following? Yeah. So sometimes we need to set up practices and sometimes it's people, but sometimes we need to make sure that we're paying attention to what we're paying attention to, what we're allowing into our lives. So sometimes for me, it's my thoughts. So when I look at Rehoboam's story, I automatically jump to the part where he rejects the wise counsel, but I think I missed it because I think his um, condition of his heart didn't start when he rejected the, the wise counsel. It was a result of it. But where the condition of his, start, of his heart started misaligning with God's was when the first thought of power entered his mind. Right? The power entered his mind. The thought of being powerful entered his mind. And it was right then that he should have said, Wait! God, what kind of power am I seeking? I need you to show me what you're saying in my life. He should have stopped right then and sought out counsel and sought to see where the condition of his heart was. He chose not to, and a nation was divided as a result. It was at the thought that it all started. Because it's at the thought, it's at the words that someone speaks into our life when we don't stop and say, God, is this you speaking? That's when our hearts, our hearts are conditioned with all of that stuff. But where, where they align with when they're conditioned starts there. Do I allow God to filter that stuff? Do I filter that stuff through him? Do I allow myself space to sit and listen so I can hear what he's saying to me? It's so important. We want to do things fast. We want to get there in a hurry. And sometimes it takes time, and we have to be willing to create that space and allow our hearts to be conditioned to the things that are of God. Because our actions will prove where they're aligned. Our actions will prove that. I think his Rehoboam's story really hits home for me. in a personal way, because I feel like I was him. I feel like there was a time in my life recently, this is hard for me, I don't like um, sharing ways I've messed up. I don't want people to know all of that stuff. But there recently was a time where I think my heart was conditioned in a way that it shouldn't have been, and my actions were proving it. And it was because I chose not to listen. I didn't choose not to listen on accident. I chose not to listen on purpose because I was choosing to be rebellious. We've all been there, right? Where we know the condition of our heart is off. We know we're like one choice away from dividing a kingdom, and we don't really care. And 
a few months back, as recent as a few months back, this has been a process for me, I've, I've found that I've been fighting this. And I found, when I read Rehoboam's story, that I didn't want to read Rehoboam's story. Rehoboam's story is short. There's not a lot in it, but it says a lot if you want to look through the cracks. And for me, my thoughts were taking over, and the condition of my heart was being formed by my thought life. And things like, you're not good enough to do that job. You should just quit. Things like, you're such a bad parent. You screwed that up again. Your kids are not going to turn out well, and it's going to be your fault. They're going to need counseling when they're older, and it's going to be because of you. You don't know enough. Why are you trying to help people? There's someone out there more qualified than you to help someone. If it's so hard, then just quit. You don't have to keep doing this. Just quit. These thoughts were pouring in my mind over and over again, second after second, literally second after second. You screwed that up. You are a horrible person. I hear things like that. You're a horrible person. You should just stay away from people. You deserve to be alone. My thoughts were taking over, and my heart was conditioned to respond in a way that wasn't pleasing to God. The reason I knew is because of my actions. What was I doing? I was isolating myself. I was binge-watching Netflix just so I didn't have to participate in life. I was yelling at my kids. I was belittling my husband by pointing out everything that I thought he was doing wrong. And I was pushing boundaries of things that I knew were wrong just because I wanted to. And most of all, the reason I knew the condition of my heart was off is because I didn't want to ask for help. Because even though this was painful, it seemed easier. And I got to the point where I believed it all. But in a moment of clarity, I think some of y'all were praying for me. In a moment of clarity, I kind of reached that point where I knew the kingdom was going to be divided and I have a choice to make. And I just cried out to God, and I said to him, I don't hear you anymore. I don't think you're speaking to me. Why are you not speaking to me? I can't see how you're working in my life. And I cried out, and I said, God, I need help. I need someone. I need someone who's going to speak truth in my life beyond these thoughts, because I can't stop them on my own. And uh, I didn't know that this would be emotional. I'm sorry. God provided a woman named Vivian in my life. And she's wise counsel. 
She's not a counselor, although there's nothing wrong with that, and your wise counsel might come through a counselor, and I say go for it. That's very helpful. I've seen counselors in my past, and it's very helpful. But that's not what she is. She's not a coach. She's just a person who seeks God in her own life and is willing to seek God on my behalf. She's a person who asks tough questions, really hard questions. And she doesn't tell me what I want to hear. She tells me what I need to hear. She's a person who gets down on her knees and asks God to speak to her for herself and for me and for others. And God allowed her to speak truth into my life in a time when I couldn't hear what other people were saying and I couldn't hear what he was saying. But it took me in that moment saying, I'm creating space for this because my heart is not conditioned to align with God right now. And I can't hear because I'm choosing this. So how do I posture myself in a way that aligns my heart with God so that I can hear what he has to say and I can move in the direction he wants me to go? It takes practice, guys. Lots and lots and lots of practice. It's not easy. There are days when I feel like I can't hear again and I have to start over, and that's okay. But your heart wants what it wants. Make sure it's aligned with God so it wants what God wants. Because sometimes that feels harder. But every good and perfect gift comes from God. So in the end, it'll feel better. When I came up here to speak tonight, I asked God, because my mind has been scattered. There's a lot going on. I have weird math problems going on in my head, all that kinds of stuff. And I just said, you know what, God? I don't, I'm not necessarily feeling it tonight. I don't know what you want to say. So I just want you to say something. And I don't know what that, I don't know if that speaks to all of you, but what should speak to all of us is how we condition our heart determines our actions, determines who we're aligned with, and we will align with something or someone. And God hopes it's him. And we hope it's him. And I hope it's him for me. We condition our hearts to want what God wants by creating space to listen. And then we practice listening. And we posture ourselves with the help of wise counsel. But tonight, I wanted to make sure that I didn't just leave you with some thoughts on the idea. I wanted to give you a chance to practice it in your own life. Because it's so, so, so important. And I, when I'm talking about practice, I'm, we have our um, practice stations already set up. We use different practices all the time here at Awaken. We use them in this space, right? These are all practices. We're going to do a practice together tonight. I know that sounds scary. I don't want you to be afraid. 
because practices aren't magical. All practices are are ways to create space to hear, to connect with God, to hear what he has to say. So it's not it's not anything magical. It's not anything like all of a sudden in this space tonight that, I'm cre- that we're creating for you to practice this together. The goal of this is so that you have something to take with you when you leave. We practice a lot in this space, but we forget to practice when we walk out those doors. And that's when the condition of our hearts start to turn away from the things of God. So this is simply just something that we can do together here, practice it together, and then take with us when we go, so that when I say you, you should be practicing so that the condition of your heart aligns with God, you, can, you don't have to say, well, I don't know how. We're giving you something else to do. You can do these things even in your own home, but this is something that you can take with you. I mean, I have different practices too that I can give you. I'm, for me, sometimes it just requires me. I set my timer for three minutes. I try to do it once or twice a week, because I should do it every day, and it's really hard, so I'm working up to that. But once or twice a week, I set my timer for three minutes, and I just sit, and I'm still. And in those three minutes, the goal is to clear my mind of thoughts. So all I say over and over again in those three minutes in my mind is, I'm listening, God, what do you have to say? I'm listening, Father, what do you have to say? Sometimes a thought comes to mind, and I write it down. Sometimes nothing does. And really, it was just about the muscle memory, creating muscle memory of being still. It's practice. So tonight, we're going to do a practice together. And it's called the prayer of examine. It's called the prayer of examine. Therefore, it's a prayer practice. So during this practice, you'll be dialoguing with God. In your mind, if you have a pen and want to write something down, open the notes section on your phone, that's fine. Um, This prayer dates back to uh, the 1400s, the late 1400s. It's a prayer from St. Ignatius. It's one of his spiritual exercises. And there's many different forms of it, but I'm going to lay out for you the form that we're going to use tonight. And um, so that you, you know what's coming, you don't have to be worried. It's just a prayer that helps us to be conscious of God in our life, of the Holy Spirit working in our life, of being reminded how he works in our life. At times, things might come up that we've done wrong, that the Holy Spirit might want us to ask forgiveness for, and that's fine, but that's not exactly what it's not all about. This practice isn't all about that. So we want to make sure that we're We're praying and asking God how he showed up in our life during this practice and allowing him the space to show us. So we're going to dialogue with God, and there's four steps. Um, The first one is giving thanks for the presence of God in our life. The second one is becoming aware of not seeing God in our life. The third step is confession and repenting or reconditioning our hearts by asking forgiveness for the the space that we allowed to be created. And then it's moving forward into the presence of God. So to start things off, I will um, do, we'll do a time of silence to where we can just be still for a moment and try to clear our minds. So whatever we need to do in that space to try to clear our minds and really focus. Again, nothing to be scared of, okay? We're just going to listen 
and jot down what you hear in that time. And if you don't hear anything in that time, it's okay. It takes practice. Okay? So we're going to quiet ourselves. Well, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes to start. And then when I start asking questions, you can open your eyes to write things down. And, um, uh, yeah, if you, feel, if you focus better that way. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes. With your eyes closed, in your mind, picture yourself sitting in the presence of God. However that looks for you, picture yourself sitting in the presence of God. Take deep breaths if you have to. Still any limbs that are moving, whatever you need to do. And now we're going to have a time of silence. Now, I want you to think about the last month of your life. Watch it play back. Think about where have you gone in the last month? Who did you spend a lot of time with? What are things that have taken your attention over the last month? Picture it in your mind. Now that you have that picture in your mind, think about what happened in the last month that you're most thankful for. Who in your life over the last month helped you see the presence of God in your life? Take a moment and thank God for the ways that he was present in your life. Now think, in the last month, when did you feel farthest from God?
How did your heart become conditioned to separation from God? Now share with God something you wish you had done differently. Ask the Lord for forgiveness for the times you allowed your heart to be unaligned with his. Now think ahead to the next month. What does it look like for you? How are you going to create space in the next month to listen, to posture yourself in a way to hear the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you need help? on that journey. If so, ask the Lord to show you who wise counsel is. God, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for your willingness to be patient with us. We thank you for those you provide along the way. who are willing to seek God on their own behalf and seek God on ours. God, as we go forward, show us the condition of our heart. Help us to pay attention to what we pay attention to. Help us to want to know the condition of our heart. Help us to learn to listen and not give up so easily when we feel like we can't hear.
Help us to be able to respond to what you've shared with us tonight, God. And help us to make space for practice outside of these walls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.